everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Sunday night, High Desert Word Center. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and clear the coffee bar out. I hate to crash that party. I really, really do. But let's go ahead and uh, come into the sanctuary and we're going to get ready to have an awesome time tonight with the word of God. We're going to be hearing about some healing because we know it is God's will for the born again Christian to be healed. Amen. All right, well, let's stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America tonight. And we believe that America is coming to Jesus no matter what. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. 
we declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right. Well, we got a few, uh, few announcements to go over here because there is plenty going on. All right. Uh, first of all, we want to remind you that the new High Desert Word Center coffee mugs are in the bookstore. Yes. And my goodness, those things are going like wildfire. I am just shocked <laughs> at how many they're already like, I think we need to order more. I'm like, it's about a hundred of them. Come on. But they are just going quick. So anyway, if you want one, they're five ninety five in the bookstore. And of course, the, we want to give one of those to each first time guest that's with us. So anyway, praise God for that. Um, if you are interested in potentially playing softball, see Robert uh, sometime tonight. He's looking at if they're going to have a league and stuff like that and getting a team together. So if you're interested, you go say hello to Robert and uh, let him know what's up. All right, very good. Uh, here's the big one. Here's a big one. This coming Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Yes. And so we've already got a whole bunch of people signed up. But I, I encourage you to take advantage of this because we do this about three times a year, maybe four. And so it'll be just a little bit before we get signed up again. But uh, if you want to be baptized and you haven't been, uh, I always remind people, it's not what gets you to heaven, but it is an important thing to do. And in fact, Jesus himself was baptized. And so that tells me that it is important. And uh, and if, if maybe you've been baptized as a little kid, uh, you know, a lot of people in the Catholic Church or something, and they didn't know anything, they didn't know what was going on they were a baby but now they're an adult and they say you know what now that i understand it i want to do it for myself so i always encourage those people it's okay uh, for you to get baptized again all right uh young adults is coming up on friday march the 4th all right at 6 30 that's for ages 18 to 30 and that's going to be at my house pastor katie's going to be doing a, a message that night and we're going to have a fish fry i hear tell that some people are bringing fish tacos and uh, I'm just saying, Jesus himself loves fish tacos. It's uh, Read the, end, the last chapter of John. And it doesn't specify that they were tacos, but he was eating fish. So I think that that's very important that you read John 21 tonight before you go to bed. All right? Intentional parenting class is coming up. All right? Yes. And that's another one. We I don't even know how many couples are signed up, but... A lot of uh, parents, grandparents, and I'm I'm all for that. If you're a grandparent, that's a great thing for you to take too. So, uh, but you do need to sign up. Uh, the books are in the bookstore right now. Uh, uh, let's just, if you could, do one book per household. That way, we do have enough for everybody. You don't need one for mom and dad. Just one per household. But they're twenty five dollars. Go get them while they're still there, and then that way we'll know if we need to place another order before the class starts. Uh, Easter is coming up on April the 17th, and that is a big, big deal for the obvious reason that it's the whole foundation of Christianity. Jesus died and rose again, right? So it's the biggest 
best day in the history of the whole world. As much as I love Christmas, Easter tells us that Jesus rose again. And so uh, we're making a big deal of it this year. And we're going to definitely uh, have a very large crowd. We're going to outreach and uh, get as many people in here as we can to hear the gospel. But we're going to be having a planning meeting uh, on Thursday night at 6.30 for those that want to kind of be a part of the team to, to get the ball rolling on that. And so if you want to do that... Uh, be here Thursday night at 6.30. Pastor Katie and Desiree will be uh, spearheading that task force, right? Okay. I don't, is that the right word? Do I use that? James, is that right? Okay. All right. Good. All right. Uh, praise God. I think that's all the announcements that we have for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it's happy time. So if you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And we're going to open our Bibles to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Amen. Who loves the book of Psalms? Woo. I love the book of Psalms, man. I, I read Psalms every day. But Psalm 35. Verse 27, I'm in the King James here. The King James, the same one that Paul read. Psalm 35 and verse 27. And it says this, let them shout for joy and be glad. Okay, those that favor my righteous cause. Well, that's you guys. You're at church tonight. You favor God's righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And so that's good news for people like you because, hey, you delight yourselves in the Lord. You favor his righteous cause and you uh, you want the Lord to be magnified. And what's some of the ways that we favor his righteous cause? There's a lot of ways, but... One way that you favor God's righteous cause is by being a giver, by being a tither. When you do these things, you're given into the gospel, given into the kingdom of God. You favor his righteous cause. And absolutely, we can declare that the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. We kind of covered this this morning, but you need to know that God does want you prosperous. And anybody that tells you otherwise, they just don't know. They're, they're, that's a lie from the devil that God wants his children to be broke and not ever have anything. So get that revelation in your heart that God absolutely wants his children blessed. And if we will allow him access to our finances, he can do some things for us. Amen. All right, let's stand up together. And we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And I always encourage you that you need to know that this is not just something we do. This is not just a, a tradition or just the, some random words that we speak. But this is very intentional and specific. We do this on purpose. And we do it all the time because we want you to get this in your heart. Amen? Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
come up to the altar and worship together if we can. It's always like springtime with you, making all new. Your light is breaking through the dark. This love, it is sweeter than wine, bringing joy through life. Hope is rising like the dawn. do you make me come alive this is what you do this is what you do you make me come alive it's always like springtime
for the first time. It's like I'm living for the first time. I'm finally living for the first time.
of our covenant, of what belongs to us. And I've been on a mission for 42 years of teaching everybody everywhere I go about Jesus and healing. Amen. It's our covenant. We're going to talk about that tonight. You can be seated. But I'll tell you what, if you can't tell I'm wired, I'm ready to go. We're going to be looking at some things in the Bible tonight that uh, you may have heard taught before, you may not. But I was just thinking, I thought I'd start preaching now, I'd get away from that. But anyway, the bottom line is, if you don't know this yet, God and Jesus are covenant-minded. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just say this, I was thinking about, oh boy, this is just coming out of me while I was worshiping God. But before we get to where we're going, I'll just explain to you what I was seeing. Well, I was worse for the Lord a minute ago. I was a Teamsters truck driver starting in 1969. Now, what were you doing in 1969? <laughs> and so for a lot of years before a lot of you were born, I was a Teamsters truck driver. And uh, back in those days, I don't know a lot about Teamsters now, but back in those days, that was still Jimmy Hoffa days. I mean, the original Jimmy Hoffa. And I, and I, and I remember back in those days, we still had guys that were business agents that were real mean, tough guys. They come in, did some things sometimes that was really mean, but the thing was, they wanted to make sure that our covenant, our contract was honored. And what I, what I remember from those days when I become a Christian, I saw the similarity. See, God himself wrote a covenant with us, our contract. And God said, here's my part, here's your part. Well, teamster, that's the way it always was too. There was the company part, and then there was a union part. And so then we both had a side to do, and we're supposed to honor that. And so God's not a teamster's thug. He didn't come in with clubs and make sure if they didn't honor it that they got in trouble. But God, God honors his contract always. He always does his part. But if we violate the contract, then we step out of the covenant. And the good thing about it, that I'm going to make a statement here. We're going to look at some things in the Bible in a minute that it's really impossible for a human being to honor the whole contract. That's just the way it is. We live in earth suits. Even the most serious, born-again, spirit-filled, mind-renewed Christian misses it. But we're going to see in the Bible, Jesus fulfilled the contract. He fulfilled the entire covenant, and we as Christians must get out of our thinking about how we missed it and so we're not going to get our prayers answered, how we don't deserve it, because et cetera, et cetera, and all that is right. But because Jesus Christ fulfilled it, if we always look through the eyes of Jesus, what he sees, through the eyes of God, what he sees, that we're worthy for all the benefits of the contract or the covenant because we see him through Jesus. Amen. Christians operate out of their minds about why, why this shouldn't happen, why that shouldn't happen, or why they deserve all the way. Well, yeah, it was my fault. It was all your fault. And on the cross, Jesus took it all. And so anyway, tonight we're going to look at uh, covenant-minded things. But I want to show you a couple things out of the bookstore because we're talking about healing. And uh, here's one, the healing anointing the healing anointing, and we're going to see some of that in the Word of God tonight in one of Jesus' services. We're going to pick apart and look at and analyze a service that Jesus was preaching in a healing service. 
And then here's another one that's out of that same story we're going to be looking at. How to write your own ticket with God. How to write your own ticket with God. And we are the ones that are responsible by faith to get what belongs to us. And I'm glad Melinda did a little job for me a while ago. She went through the bookstore and just looked at several of the healing books we have in there. We've got a new batch coming in, but these are all books that our church has back there for purchase at the bookstore help you feel it. And you out there watching online, uh, you can buy a lot of these, just go on the internet yourself and find them, or if you want to, come into the church and we sell them here. But uh, we're not selling these to make money. We sell these to educate people. So they know so they know what the Bible has to say and get some help in learning the Bible. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned over the years that people that choose to be more religious-minded than New Testament taught never get God's best. No matter how much you think you know, you've got to be always open when the Word of God's being taught to look at your own Bible with the help of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and find out if you may have been wrong in some of your thinking sometimes. And anyway, there's so much we can say about that, but tonight we're going to be talking about healing is an absolute covenant right. Absolute covenant right. How many, how many have seen enough scriptures in the Bible to know that it's God's will for the whole human race to be saved? It's his will. I mean, 2 Peter 3, 9 said, It's not his will that he should perish, but all should come to repentance. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, not just the American part of the world or some other certain part of the world, but the whole world. That whosoever believes in him, amen, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in Romans, Romans chapter 10, he says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, we, we know that the whole world's not saved. But it's a covenant right. Jesus died for every human being of every race. He died for them. But because they don't know their covenant, and that's why we're called to preach the gospel to every creature. What we do when we're preaching the gospel, we're proclaiming the covenant. The covenant of born again, receiving eternal life, salvation. And then when you, when you become a student of the word, I mean a real student of the word, where you want to study your own Bible and learn things yourself, you begin to find out that in many places in the Bible, every time he talks about redemption from sin, he has healing right beside it. You know, and then you think of Psalms. I just don't want to quote a bunch of scriptures and just talk, but man, you got to help people sometimes to understand a real simple one, Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. This is not our text, but David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says then, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24, Matthew 8, all those different passages plus tons of other passages, God always equates sin and sickness as a curse. And the same father of sin is a father of sickness, the devil. He's the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus come to give life to that more abundantly. And Having eternal life and dying young for some disease is not a blessing. The eternal life is, but he's told us in Psalms 91, he says, well, for us to have long life. Amen. <clears throat> and so anyway, those are called covenant absolutes. It's the will of God. And you violate the covenant and you don't walk in the covenant, you don't get his best. But praise God, Jesus never violated the covenant. Jesus fulfilled the covenant. 
And so as long as we always keep Jesus as the focus, and you can't keep Jesus as the focus if you don't keep his word as the focus. Because John chapter 1 says, beginning was the, was the word words with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh. So Jesus and his word are synonymous. If you talk about Jesus, you've got to be talking about the word. And if you're going to be talking about the word, you're talking about Jesus. If you're talking about the word of Jesus, you're talking about the covenant. Man, I don't want to get out there too deep that I throw somebody off. But I know this, if more Christians knew what their absolute covenant rights were, it'd be like back in the Teamsters days when I was a Teamster, where there were sometimes things that the company would try to violate, they get by with it. If you had a good business agent, a union steward that knew the covenant, we could walk into the office, pull out the contract book, and say, look at right here, on page 33, section 2, paragraph 3, Subtitle B, it says right here, this is the contract, and you've got to honor this. But if you had ignorant people that were lazy and never knew their contract, they'd walk all over them. And then at the same time, the company then could come to you. If you were violating the contract on what you were supposed to do for your paycheck, they'd call you in and say, listen, I want to tell you now, this is what it says right here. You've got a contract with us. You're supposed to work this many hours, get this many breaks, and this is what you've got to do. Because the contract was to be honored. And so as Christians, we have got to be able to look at the contract and then the spiritual realm say, Satan, <clears throat> it says right here in James chapter 4, verse 7, I submit myself to God, I resist you, and you've got to flee from me. That's the contract. It says right here in Mark chapter 16, I lay hands on the sick. And they recover, and Jesus confirms the word, confirms the covenant. The signs followed. That's the way it is. And you've got to know that contract as much as you know ABC, 2 plus 2 is 4. The better you know your contract, you can always go to the book and say, here's what the contract says. And you don't have to prove it to God. He knows it. He's the one that honors it, but you've got to show it to the devil and then look up to heaven, and then you've got to follow grievance. Yeah, you say, Lord, right here's what the Word of God says. Here's where I am, and Satan's trying to violate my, my contract. And I want to thank you, Lord. I've submitted to you, and I want to thank you the Word of God's working. And then Malachi chapter 3 says that God will rebuke the devourer. That's the contract. <clears throat> Amen. That's pretty good opening, wasn't it? Amen. And so I want you to look at Luke chapter 13. And this is, a healing, this is a healing service in progress that Jesus was conducting. Uh, did anybody here ever listen to R.W. Schambach? I know that Walter probably did. I knew Walter probably did, yeah. Anybody here ever hear of R.W. Schambach? Mrs. Pastor, Pastor David did. Well, all, well, the way he did his radio program, I used to listen to him every day, his programs, every day, he would open up his radio program, talk a little bit, and then he'd say, now let's go into a service already in progress. And then be him preaching inside of his service would be his radio thing. And then at the end, he'd pray for people and things like that. But I look at this right here. I always think of R.W. Schambach. This is a service in progress, and Jesus was leading it. And so Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. I'll give you a chance to get there because this, this is so neat. But as you see things like this, then you get a Bible teacher 
that breaks it apart for you and looks at it. It helps you to understand things. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And if somebody were to look at this from a journal later on down the road, they could say this about Pastor Samples. He was teaching in the church on Sunday evening. And what happens when Jesus was teaching, what came? Faith came. And so what's happened if any minister of the gospel is teaching the word of God? Faith's coming. And then also, also, Jesus at the river Jordan got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And so if you get a preacher in a service like this teaching the word of God and he's full of the Holy Ghost, then the gifts of the Spirit may begin operating as the Spirit wills. And so it says he was teaching, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. She was bound together and could no wise lift up herself. And so this woman had something like arthritis of the spine or something really serious for 18 years. And when you're, when you're a minister of the gospel that understands the healing covenant and the love of God, and you see a person in your service that's really, really, really in bad shape, your heart all the time while you're preaching it just kind of searching up to heaven. Is there anything, anything we can do? Lord, anything. What can we do? You're just all, you're open. And before you even come to the service, like I did when I was getting this sermon and praying for people, I've just all said, Lord, I'm available. Anything you want to do to help people, I know the main thing is I don't want to show people how much I know. I want to be able to have you come in and be able to help them with what they need. And so it says, this woman was there, had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And how many times in a service like this has the Lord moved on me or somebody else and said, is there somebody in here that you're having this kind of pain or you're being diagnosed with this or this is going on? Well, the Holy Spirit is seeing and calling out. And then sometimes, sometimes I'll, I'll just be preaching and I'll look out there and somebody just to me, it's like all of a sudden, just like a neon light goes off and says, call Dave up here right now. And so Jesus saw this lady and says so she was in the, in the, in the synagogue, synagogue on the Sabbath. She'd had this 18 years. I'd say there's a possibility she'd been there before. And how many times, how many times have I been in services where there's been people been here a lot of times and we prayed for them. All of a sudden, the Lord says, call them up here. You know, the gifts of the Spirit operate as He wills. We cannot turn them on and turn them off. There's preachers that have been used before the gifts of the Spirit, and then they want to start thinking they're the ones that own the gifts. They're the ones that God will use in the gifts if He chooses. And so then I've seen preachers, and I, I, I think it's now, they get into the area of familiar spirits where they want something to happen so they try to make it happen they give place to demon spirits and then people used to bear great fruit it's not so great anymore and then there's people that cross back and forth in between the real Holy Spirit and other things and get by with it for a while but they always crash but the thing is they discredit the true gospel and they hurt people's lives as I want to say that again Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and that woman there must have been a good church member, Sabbath member, because she'd been sick, and there she was. But the Holy Spirit chose this time to have Jesus call her out. 
Amen. Well, I'm just I'm dissecting the service for you how it works. That's why that's why at our services they're not all the same, because they're as the Lord wills. But we're always available. But faith from the Word of God always happens when you teach. And so he said, he said to her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And and you notice it says she had the spirit of infirmity. So there's an evil spirit. There's an evil spirit that was making her sick. And the Holy Spirit is the one that has to show you that. You know, I've, I've said before, and I don't, I don't want to get too sideways with the direction I'm heading, but I've, I've just known so many times by learning from the Bible, by sitting under my spiritual fathers, and by my own experiences in life, that you might have two people with the same exact diagnosis. And you pray for healing, pray for healing, pray for healing, pray for healing, and nothing ever happens. And then the Lord, by a word of knowledge, will say, that's a spirit of infirmity, cast it out. Or it might be by discerning the spirits where your eyes are open and you see the spirit holding on to them, and then you command it to leave. But then the next case might be exactly identical. That's not a spirit of infirmity, it's a real sickness. And so then you have to deal with that difference. You see what I'm saying? So in other words, this is a service Jesus was in, and it wasn't just calling him out and just laying hands on him, getting him healed. He had to deal with the spirit first. So he said, woman, you're loose from, loose from your infirmity. He's telling that devil, get off of her. He said, you're free. Does this help anybody see how these services work? And so he said, you're loose from your infirmity. And then he laid his hands on her. After he got rid of the demon, he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. She wasn't made straight until he laid his hands on her. But he said she was free when he spoke to the Spirit. And I know years ago, when I said, Lord, why? If that was a demon you dealt with, did you lay your hands on her then? And he said, because she was bent over for 18 years, her body was messed up. And so he got rid of the devil, and then he released the, released the anointing through the land on her hands. So then when he laid his hands on her, the miracle-working power of God went down through her body, got into her spine, and freed her up. Can you see what I'm saying? And so, see, we as believers can study the gospel and see a whole lot about how God moves many times. And then if we as Christians are not closed-minded, because Christians a lot of times get in ditches. And the healing here, they get in ditches. I see one time a person have a spirit of infirmity, and so everybody they see this want to cast the devil out of them. And it might not be the devil. It might be just a natural sickness that came. How did it get here? Through the fall. When Adam, when Adam let the devil in, sickness and everything else came in. And so we as, we as believers, especially as spirit-filled believers and ministers, we need to all the time be looking to heaven what we do and just not say it's a cookie-cutter case. Everybody's got this. This is what it is. The devil's behind it all, but the Holy Spirit shows you how to deal with him. And so this service in progress, the bottom line was this woman got free. But I want you to see some other things here about religious demons. It says, immediately she made straight glorify God, and then the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said to the people, the sick days, there are six days which men ought to work in them, therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. I want, I want to tell you something about religious people. Religious-minded people care about one thing, about them doing things their way, and not very many people ever get healed. I remember back in Indiana in healing school, we taught healing school in the middle of the week, and we had people from 
the different towns around come to our healing school on Wednesday mornings, taught healing school at 10 o'clock, and it wasn't a thing for church church growth. It was a thing because we like to get people healed. We love people, want them healed. So we had people come from lots of denominations that Wednesday morning service from the towns around, and we'd teach healing, teach healing, teach healing, and they'd get healed. But sometimes religious people found out what was going on, and because they thought they was going to lose their people or something like that, they'd challenge. And so... I, I, this, I wouldn't plan on telling this, but just to give you an example of how this works, I want to stay on course. We had this lady, young lady, I don't expect she was over it, man. I don't think she was probably 40 years old. She had breast cancer. And it was really bad. And she went to a very, very religious denominational church that didn't believe in a whole lot of Bible things that are just simple Bible things. Didn't believe in them. And because our church clapped our hands and we sang and we had instruments in our church, they thought we was a devil church because we believed in instruments. And because we spoke in tongues, they knew we was the devil. And so this woman started coming on Wednesday mornings, and she started making progress. The doctor started telling her that things were slowing down in that area of cancer, and she's getting better and better. But all the time, there's a battle going on. The ones that were called the, whatever the name was of that church called, elders, whatever they were called, they found out the woman was coming to our church. And so they wanted to make sure they control her life. And so <laughs> it's so funny how the Holy Ghost is. When I was preparing for healing school one morning, I was, at, I was at home, prepared like I always did, and the Lord had me, I saw myself walking to the back row and preaching. <laughs> it's so weird. And I called, and in my notes I kept writing this, you can call me a liar if you want to, this is what the Bible says. I kept having that phrase. And so we was about ready to start our service, and all of a sudden, I saw this, I don't know, what was it, about four or five of them? Anyway, a bunch of old religious-looking old women came in. Had they sit in my back row. And I thought, oh, who's that, man? They just don't look too sharp. Oh, what's going on here, man? They were all sitting there, and the spirit, you could see their swords drawn out, man, wanting to chop me to pieces what I was preaching. And so whatever it was I was preaching that day, as I was preaching, I had my wireless on, I had to walk them back there. I stood right in front of them. And I said, if you got your Bibles, look at here. And I'd read a passage there on healing, what Jesus did. I said, you can call me a liar if you want to, but Jesus said it. And I went over and over. I just kept, I kept saying, you can call me a liar if you want to, but look, right there it is. Jesus said it. The Bible says it. I said, you can call me a liar, but the Bible says it. Well, the sad thing is, within a few weeks, they pulled her out. And she died. But the thing is, religious people, people controlled by religion, they care more about their religion than they do help these people. And think about this. If Jesus was just an occasional preacher of that church there, then how come if that woman was a member there, how come he said, there's six days to come and get healed? Well, she probably came there six days to get healed. So the time she got healed, they got mad because it violated their religion. And so I want to tell you, you've got to guard yourself against religion. And I'll say this again, religion is all about God, but without God. You know, religion wants to talk about him, and religion wants to always talk about the future, what he's going to do. Religion wants to talk about the past, what he did. But if you're that woman for 18 years, have had to walk like this. Have you, has anybody ever seen people like that? I've seen them. If you're that woman... She doesn't care 
what God did back when they crossed the Red Sea. She's here today. She got a Red Sea to cross today. It's called she wants to have a life. And she doesn't care that God's going to heal you someday. She wants to heal today. And so those religious people didn't like that because she got what they couldn't give her. Amen. And so anyway, this is a service in progress. And so then it says then that, that uh, the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? Yeah, they'll do anything except help people. And now here, here is where we're going to camp out at. And ought, ought not this woman be a daughter of Abraham? We well, talked about Abraham. He's talking about the covenant. Their covenant came through Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. He said, Ought not this woman be the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound? Whom Satan hath bound, that's called bondage. He said this sickness was a bondage, and Satan was the one that caused it. Did you know that when you've got a serious sickness, it's a bondage? It's like having a chain around you. It controls where you go and what you do because you can't get too far away says, whom Satan hath bound. Lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And we have said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced. The people didn't rejoice because of the religion that man had. They rejoiced because this woman was set free for all the glorious things that were done by him. Somebody give the Lord praise for that. Amen. They rejoiced for that. And so, Healing is an absolute covenant right. That's what Jesus says. She got healed because she was a daughter of Abraham. She was in the covenant, and Jesus said she's got a right to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham. She's a covenant girl. How many here know that you're a covenant son or daughter of God? You're a covenant. And ought not you to be healed because you're a covenant son or daughter of God. And so uh, healing is absolute covenant right, but listen to this, but you must know it and use your faith in the word to receive it. You got to use your faith to receive what belongs to you. And I, I go back again to salvation. When a person comes into a church service or somebody may be a witness to on the job or wherever by a family member that Jesus died for your sins, whosoever is called by the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, he says, for by grace are we saved through faith. And so when you hear the gospel and faith hits your heart, that doesn't mean you're saved. you got to use that faith and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I know I need you. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm called on you, Jesus. Come into my heart, forgive my sins. That took faith to get that. And then every other thing that you receive from God, you receive by faith unless he supernaturally does what he did in this woman's life. But I'm sure she had faith released for the Spirit of God to move. You see what I'm saying? And so it's an absolute covenant right, but that doesn't mean you got it. you got to reach out and get it with your faith. Your faith is your heart, your mouth, hooked up with the Word of God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so anyway, Jesus was covenant-minded, and so we need to stay covenant-minded. You know, you might write that down in your notes. I need to stay covenant-minded. And Pastor Dave really hit it good this morning from Joshua chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 8, and Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, about meditate in the Word day and night, day and night, 
I was talking to Dan and Stacy a while ago about our church and the healing ministry and things like that. Did you talk about one of the books that she bought last week uh, about spirit-filled things that they just stepped into that new world, the spirit-filled world? But anyway, she talked about that book. Read it. I said, yeah, I said, I've got the same books, and I've been reading these books and studying them for all my Christian life, and I keep studying and studying and studying. And why do you keep on studying them? I thought you learned it. Hey, it's just like steak or anything else you like to eat. Just because you ate it once doesn't mean you got everything out of it you could enjoy. Man, I go back and I read those books and I read those books, and I never read them without my Bible being right there open. And I look at the same verses over and over and over and over again. What am I doing? I'm staying hooked up with my covenant as a fanatic, just like a fanatical Teamsters truck driver did back when I was a young truck driver. Those guys that do that, do that contract do it because they, they carry it in their pocket like I carry a Bible. And they studied that contract. They studied that contract. And I remember those contract books those guys stared, carried when we had a, when we had a conflict with the company. They had pages folded over. They had marks through them and stars beside different parts of the contract. They studied the contract because they wanted to get the best that they could get from the company. Amen? And so for us as Christians, we need to study the contract and study the contract and study the contract. And then if heart attacks hit, blood cancer hits, or whatever else, diabetes, anything else gets on you, you got to be able to get to the contract and open it up and say, this is my contract. And you got to say, Satan, I refuse you the right to violate my contract. I'm a daughter, I'm a son of the Most High God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then look up there and say, Father, I want to thank you for the contract. I know you watch over your word to perform it, so I just want to thank you, Lord. You're confirming your word in my life because it's in the contract. Amen. Go ahead and... Especially if you've been sick, you ought to get excited about this. Now look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. And I want to say this again. Healing is an absolute covenant right. Jesus was always covenant-minded. I'm going to stay covenant-minded all the days of my life. And my covenant says in Psalms 91, 16... As long as I choose to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and bite under the shadow of the Almighty, with long life will satisfy me and show me his salvation. And so I choose to live there, and the covenant tells me it's a covenant right for me to live long and to live strong. Hebrews 8, verse 6. And I always like to remind you, the book of Hebrews tells us the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ. It says, And now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry even than the old covenant priest has said Jesus got a more excellent excellent by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant the new testament is better than the old a better covenant which was established upon better promises says Jesus is the mediator and that's why I always like to say this tells us of the present day ministry of Jesus didn't say Jesus was or Jesus is going to be says he is. And who's the mediator? Well, sometimes in Teamsters contracts, we had to have mediators. That was a third party come in to settle, settle disputes between the company and the union. Jesus is the mediator that settles all disputes. He makes sure that what's in the contract is honored. He's the one that says, this is the way it's going to be. I praise God. I praise God that I'm standing on my covenant on my contract I look up to heaven and I'm going through a battle and it seems like I'm losing Jesus steps in he says Satan that's enough no more here's the contract 
Bernie Samples is in the contract. He's a covenant son of mine, and that's it. No more. Looks up to heaven, and Jesus beside the right hand of the Father making intercession. He says, Father, he's ours. He belongs to us, and he wins. Amen. You need to stay covenant-minded. When Jesus looks at your life, he's not looking to find out what's wrong. He's looking to see what's right. When he looks at your life, the first thing he looks at is his blood on you. Then the next thing he looks at is, are you honoring the covenant to the best of your ability? Because if you're absolutely in violation of the covenant, you don't get the benefits. You know why? Because he's just. He's merciful, but he's just. And if you keep on violating over and over and over and over again, go come a place in time that mercy runs out because he's just. That his mercy endures forever. He'll put up with you for a long time, but if there comes a point in time, you just say, I'm just going to choose to, to violate the covenant. Whether it's in sexual things, financial things, in your love walk with other Christians, whatever it is, there comes a point in time that God says, okay, that's, I told him that, you know, that uh, judgment comes. It's in the covenant. Woo! Man, we don't want to hear that, do we? It's part of the covenant. God's covenant-minded. I want to say it again. God is covenant-minded. And the fear of the Lord is not doing things and afraid that some person will find out. The fear of the Lord is doing things and that God's mercy will run out. You know, my pastor used to say it like this. He said, and well, they made this not a good example for the desert, but it was back in the Midwest. Ice. When the ponds, Leanne knows this from Minnesota, when the ponds and the lakes freeze over, people go ice skating. But if the ice hadn't been uh, frozen long enough, or you had heat going to start to melt, he said, how far can you skate out or walk out on thin ice before it breaks? And that's what it is with Christians. How much can you keep on stepping out into sin, stepping out into sin where you fall? I don't want to skate on thin ice. Praise God for covenant, covenant, covenant. And so it says we have a better covenant under the new, new covenant, under the blood of Jesus. I want you to look at Galatians 3, and we're going to look at verse 13, 14, and 29. And this will help us understand more of how we fit into this covenant. And I think about Luke 13. Jesus said, this woman being a daughter of Abraham. He said, healing belongs to her because she's a daughter of Abraham. Isn't that what he said? He said, ought not this woman be healed being a daughter of Abraham? So Galatians 3 and Galatians, a whole lot about explaining covenant things under the Abrahamic covenant to the Jews, and then shift that over to Jesus under the New Testament. So Galatians chapter 3, this whole chapter is really, really wonderful. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And we'll look at some of the curse of the law in just a few minutes. Be made a curse for us. Praise God that Jesus became a curse for me. He became a curse for my sin, for my disobedience, for my stupidness, for my violations, and all those things. Jesus become a curse for me. And I want to say this for you, sons and daughters of God. All that ugly, stupid stuff that you've done, Jesus took it on the cross 
He took the curse for you that you deserve. He took it. And your head has got to get changed to become covenant-minded. Jesus took that. When you become a new creature in Christ, he took all that sin nature. He took that. And then as a new creature in Christ, he says in 1 John 1, 9, if you sin, confess it. Turn from it. And he washes it away and you're clean again. The devil uses that thing to hang over the heads of Christians probably more than anything to stop their prayers from being answered. You can't pray in faith if you think God's mad at you. You can't pray in faith if all you're thinking is loser, loser, loser. Jesus won. If we stay looking through his eyes, we won. It says, Become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's the cross he hang on. Why is that? He took the curse so that, verse 14, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's me. That's you, the non-Jews. So the blessing of Abraham can come on us. Keep it in mind, we even got better. Hebrews 8, 6 says we got better. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. I never, ever, ever just pray to dear God. I always talk to the Father in the name of Jesus. I always keep everything. My communication with heaven always comes through Jesus. It's never just dear God. You know, that, 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 that's just so sad when you're with Christians don't understand their covenant. They don't understand that it's all because of Jesus. And they pray over a meal or whatever they do. They do it with good intentions a good heart. But if he's just dear God, Sinners say every day, oh, God, help me. It's just an expression. But it says through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And we're going to look at some promises that the Spirit gave Abraham, because that's what he's talking about, the Abrahamic covenant, the promise of the Spirit. And then look at verse 29. And if you be Christ, how many here belong to Christ? And you out there watching, you belong to Christ. Then what does it say? That you're Abraham's seed that we're Abraham's seed through Christ and heirs according to the promise. And so if it belongs to Abraham, it belongs to us. If it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to us. And, and, and I learned this off Brother Hagin years ago, and so I wrote this down. We aren't Abraham's physical seed. That's Jewish people. But we are his spiritual seed. We're his faith seed in Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible says? He said, we're Abraham's seed. We're Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. Everything, everything, everything good comes through Jesus. Everything good is because of Jesus. All the bad, all the bad that we deserved, he took it. He took our curse. You know, I think about years ago, I was thinking about people getting into this family tree business and I thought, you know, that's okay. I guess you wouldn't know your family tree, but my family tree wasn't all that great. I mean, I had some really bad people in my family tree. My family tree is at Calvary. Jesus, my Savior, died on that tree. My family tree started right there. So I'm going to research my family tree. I'm going back 2,000 years to go to Calvary. That's my tree. On that tree, on that cross, was all my ugly given. All the bad stuff that my blood ancestors did and tried to pass it along through familiar spirits. There's only one spirit I'm familiar with, the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let be familiar with me. I'm going to stay familiar with him. And if you know the Holy Spirit, those other familiar spirits come knocking. You say, no, nope, I don't know the voice of a stranger. Get out of here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sickness doesn't belong to me. Holy Spirit, through the word of God, tells me that Jesus took the curse of sickness and gave me his healing. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to be covenant-minded. We've got to think what the Bible says. And so if it belongs to Abraham, it belongs to me. Why is that? I'm Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. I wasn't born as a Jew. I was born again as a born-again Christian. I become a born-again Christian that Jesus said I'm Abraham's seed through him. Amen, amen. And so we have the blessing of the old covenant in Christ, and even a better one now. But I want to look back at some of the old that was promised by the Holy Spirit to Abraham and his seed. And so if the old was good, how much better is the new? Amen. Well, Hebrews 8, 6 says it's better. So it's got to be better. And so I want to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And in Deuteronomy, it spells out the blessings and the curses in the old covenant that he gave to Abraham. And the curses were for disobedience of not obeying all the words of the covenant. And I want to say it again. Nobody could obey them, but one person did, the God-man. Jesus came. He never sinned. He obeyed all the words of the law. And so as long as we base our faith on what we get from the Lord, because Jesus obeyed it all, then we're going to get it. If we try to look at it and, uh, you know, go by the works thing, well, let's see. Last week I paid my tithes. Last week I didn't treat my wife too bad. I didn't, I didn't speed too much. I didn't tell too many white lies. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Why are you going back under the law? Why are you going to go back to what you can do and what you deserve? The whole thing is, you stay open and tender hearted for Jesus. And I know that's why I am every day. I was, thinking, I was thinking this morning when I was just in my prayer closet, just going over things with the Lord, looking at life and like that. I said, Lord, you know what? I realize right now, actually, what I'm doing is I'm taking communion without the elements. I'm searching my heart. I'm communicating with you. I'm looking at life right now. I just want to thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. I want to thank you, Father, that your blood has redeemed me. As I'm sitting here looking at things you want me to teach your people tonight, Lord, I know it's because how you've gifted me to help your people. And, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you've blessed me and I've received your blessing. And I know that I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But you gave it to me anyway, Jesus. I want to thank you for that. And when you begin to look at life through those eyes, through the covenant of the Word of God, it changes everything. Rosa Linda, that helps you minister more than you ever have, doesn't it? When you know what belongs to you and you know how goofy you can be, but he's always right, takes care of that, doesn't he? Amen. And that's for all of us. And you know, I just want to tell you this. Everybody here is called to share the gospel with somebody. And it doesn't make any difference how, how good or how bad you were this week. The blood of Jesus takes care of the whole thing. 
You just do your best always. You're searching your hearts. And as soon as you see you've done something wrong, you've talked wrong, you've did things, you lost your temper, whatever it is, you immediately stop wherever you are. If there's a bunch of people around, you can just whisper real quiet, Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry I said that. Please forgive me, Lord. And what happens? He's faithful and just forgive you and cleanse you. You're clean. And then when he sends that person across your path to minister to or to pray for whatever it is, you don't have to feel worthy. He's worthy. He gave it to you because how many have ever noticed that the time you feel the stupidest, all of a sudden there's an open door to help somebody. And then when you begin to speak, the Lord of God begins to flow, not because you earned it, but because he did it. That's called being covenant-minded. Covenant-minded all the time. And so in, in, in Deuteronomy 28, I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just start off with, he says, It shall come to pass, in verse 1, If you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which are commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee. And so he says right there, when you obey this covenant, you're going to be lifted up, you're going to have favor, people will look up to you, and blessings are going to be on you. And I want to say it again, no human being has ever obeyed this covenant. But one God-man did, his name's Jesus. And then he tells us, Galatians 3, that the blessings of Abraham come on us. So then as you go down through here, and you, and you read the first 14 verses, he tells you all about the blessings. And then in verse 15, then in verse 15, he says this, This will come to pass, that thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee, and overtake thee. So just think about this. Galatians chapter 3 says that Christ hung on the cross and took the curses. So for the next several verses to the end of this chapter, he tells you about the curses. It's basically called Murphy's Law. It says if anything bad can happen, it will, and even worse. It says that you're going to be sick, you're going to be broke, you're going to lose your kids, going to lose your job, your bucket's always going to have a hole in it, if you think back it happened, it will go, it will happen, it says that's the curse on mankind, but then Galatians chapter 3 says Jesus took that curse, glory to God, thank you Jesus, he took that curse, I don't have bad luck anymore, because I don't have luck, I have the blessings of Abraham, and you read those first few verses, I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. And you know, did anybody ever see my cousin's show, Hee Haw, Junior Samples? Anybody ever see Junior, my cousin? He was my cousin, real cousin. Anyway, they used to have a song on there they sang, Doom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, when I got born again, the Lord gave me the new sample song. And it's this. It's done the blessings and joy and good things happening to me. If it weren't for good blessings, then I have no blessings at all. You have got to sing a new song. You've got to recognize that Jesus himself, Jesus himself took every one of those curses. He took them. 
You know, I think about people sometimes say, well, uh, well, a guy used to minister with back in Indiana. He was from Italy. He talked about the, about the Italian temper, the Italian curse. Get around other people, whatever race they are, wherever they come from. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the Mexican curse or whatever it is where they, they identify with this side. Well, you know what? I don't have any samples curse on me. I've got the blessing of Abraham on me because I belong to Jesus. I don't identify with the bad guys in the samples family. I identify with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took my curse. Say that with me. Say, Jesus Christ took my curse. Amen. And I, and I think about day the McNeils. I think about the Mick part. That's to the other side of the ocean part, the Mick. Well, whatever kind of curse the McNeils used to have, it stopped right there. Amen. He is not, he's not a McNeil first. He's a blood Christian first. And then he's a McNeil. And whatever you are, whatever your family did, you don't have to pay for the sins of your fathers. You don't have to have a generational curse. You know what the generational curse is? It was all the whole human race, the curse. So if you got born again, you got delivered from the generational curse. You're a new generation. Amen. Amen. Does this help anybody see these things? Amen, amen. And so anyway, keep in mind, Jesus Christ obeyed the covenant. He took the curse. He took the judgment, the punishment, everything that disobedience brought on the human race. Jesus took it all, and he was not guilty. He wasn't guilty, but we were. He took it for us. And so one more verse I want to look at. I want you to flip right through to verse 61 because this is my clincher verse for COVID, cancer, blood disease, every other evil thing there is, diabetes. As you go through these verses, getting up to this point in the Bible, Deuteronomy 28, they specifically name a whole lot of sicknesses by name. And then he says in verse 61, the curse, also every sickness... At every plague, which is disease, do they call COVID a plague? At every plague, every sickness, which is not written in the book of this law. You don't find COVID written in the book of this law. But he says, everything there is, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Somebody said, what do you mean will the Lord bring? That was the judgment that he called, the judgment the Lord will bring. And so all those things were brought onto Jesus on the cross. Jesus took COVID on the cross because it says every sickness, every disease that's not named, he took it. Jesus took diabetes on the cross. Jesus took cancer and kidney disease on the cross because it says every sickness and every disease which not even named, he said they're a curse. And Jesus Christ became a curse. He took my curse. And I want to I close this by saying again, what he said with that woman in his service. He said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? He didn't say because I'm Jesus. He said because she's a daughter of Abraham. He said, I'm looking at her. He said, she has an absolute right to be healed because she's a covenant child. If you can get that in your thinking and buy books out of the bookstore and teach along these lines, Watch our things on YouTube, Facebook to teach these things. And if you've got any of the old CDs or DVDs or whatever else we got, 
study those things, listen to those things, and sit under teaching that teaches these things from the Word of God, and there'll come a point in time you realize, this is my covenant. Satan's violating my covenant. He can't do that. Say, Father, I want to thank you. This is my covenant. And I want to thank you. You told me, resist the devil, submit to you, and he'd flee from me. Satan, this sickness, this chronic illness, this disease is a curse. And you're violating my covenant. Jesus took this curse. I don't have to have it. Father, I just want to thank you. I've submitted to you now. And I resist the devil. And I want to thank you and praise you that because of the blood of Jesus, because Jesus took this cancer, he took the diabetes. He took whatever it is. He took all this for me, the arthritis. Man, there's a place the Bible says you've got to have arthritis. Jesus took arthritis. He took it all. And so what your part is, become covenant-minded and say, Lord, I know that I don't deserve this because of me, but, Lord, Jesus was covenant-minded. I'm covenant-minded. And your word says this is my benefit. You took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. That's the Lord. I'm going to stick with it. I'm a covenant-minded Christian. It belongs to me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll, I'll tell you what. That is so real to me, the things I just preached. I can preach that in my sleep, and I do. I can preach that up one side and down the other. It's that real to me. And when it becomes that real to you, there's no way that Satan is going to keep you in bondage like he did that woman for 18 years. Amen, amen. Well, let's worship Jesus. And, uh, you know, how does faith come? By hearing what? What did we just teach on? Healing. So what kind of faith is there in this service tonight? Healing faith. And so if something's been sparked in you, and you've been a Christian standing on things and believing things, etc., etc. Well, sometimes you need a point of contact. And so if your faith has been sparked and you've been standing on the Word of God already, then just come up here. We'll be open up the altar in a minute. And we're not praying for everything else, so we're not praying for everything. We're praying for healing right now. So if there's been something that hasn't got off of you yet, that woman, 18 years, had it. And man, she got it. So as a point of contact, if you believe this is your time, you want to grab a hold of it, come up here, and any one of us can pray for you. Just say, you know what? I see now. That belongs to me, and I'm covenant-minded, and I put up this long enough. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of Abraham through Jesus Christ, and I believe you lay hands on me as a point of contact. That healing anointing will go into my body, and I believe in Jesus' name that I'll receive what's mine. Amen. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God through Jesus, and ought not you to be healed. Amen. Amen. So we're going to worship. And if you need something, come up here to any one of us, because it's not us doing the healing anyway, it's Jesus. Any one of us can lay hands on you, and you can receive healing from Him.
working in this place I worship you I worship you You are here Moving in our midst I worship you I worship you You are here Working in this place I worship you I worship you Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Turning lives around I worship you I worship you You are here Mending every heart I worship you I worship you darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop 
never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Hey, even when I don't see it, you're working. Hey, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. We make a miracle worker. Promise keep light in the darkness. You know, I, I think about the things I was talking about tonight. Uh, Pastor Dave this morning really, really, really did a great job of expounding on the value of the Word of God becoming a fanatic. And I, I think about people in life. You know, there's political fanatics that tell you everything there is about their political party, different things going on. you got sports fanatics that can tell you about all the Super Bowls, the World Series, and whatever else they're into. You know why? Because they study that stuff day and night. They listen to it on the internet, they feed on books about it, and they really get dipped in it, brother. Really, that's just, that's all they eat, sleep, and think about is those things. Well, think about Christians. And, you know, I just, I'm not lifting me up at all, but I'm an example. I've given 42 years of being a fanatic for the Word of God. I've got all kinds of faith books and books that I've studied over the years, my Bible, and guess what? I ooze with it because I give my life to it. And at one point in time, I was a truck driver. I drove trucks for 28 years. And so I wasn't like a preacher that's got all day I could do that. Every spare moment I had when I was a truck driver, that's what I did. I studied the books. I fed on it until I really become, a, I guess you'd say, an expert at Pastor Dixon. I got a Ph.D. in healing. But the thing is, I'm telling you, from wherever you are, buy those Brother Hagen books. Buy books like that. I don't read magazines and I don't read novels and fiction and detective stories. All I read is my faith books. That's all I've ever fed on. And so if you get really serious about that, there'll come a point in time you'll have a degree in divine healing too. You don't get it because you earn it in college. You get it because you live it in your everyday life. But those books there, there's a good start right there about Melinda got out of the bookstore. We're loaded back there. And back before I had much money to buy books, Every time I went to faith conventions, my school book, my church bookstore, we had eight kids, a little income. If I could buy one month, one book every six months for $2, I was adding to my faith library. But just start where you are and make time to read the books with your Bible, and your faith will increase, 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 to where you know it, you're not sick nearly as much as you used to be, and then you'll have a hard time remembering the last time you're sick. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Let's do our, our faith confession. Which one are we doing? The bar, that's what I thought, the Barstow faith confession. We got so many now, we got to keep up with them. Okay, you ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. 
Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.